Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. <laughs> and James says this, he says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, that you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now let us pray. I do, Lord God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time to come together and come to your word. And God, I just pray that you would um, open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to you and that you would um, be able to come into our daily rhythms and walks of life, that we would be able to uh, be able to improvise and allow your spirit to move so that we might be able to bless and love our brother and our neighbor and all that we do. And so, God, we just pray that you give us the wisdom, that you give us the courage and the strength to to make life changes um, this morning. God, we love you, and we thank you in all that you do. Amen. And so I think when we look at this text in James, especially this text here where it talks about, you know, today or tomorrow I'm going to go to this city or that city and make a profit. Um, and we read through the rest of it, and they're, they're like, you know, people that do this, they boast, that boasting's evil. The first temptation is to look at this passage and be like, James, this is, this is a great story, great little passage, um, but it really has nothing to do with my life. I'm not a merchant. I'm not planning on leaving and going to another city to make some money. Um, I just, I don't really see where this applies. And then the second place is that I think the <coughs> kind of little obvious meaning that we get here is that, you know, make plans with God in mind. And I think any of us in this congregation, I know there's some people in this community that are going through and wrestling through some major decisions, some major life decisions on where God wants to bring them next. But I know that they're doing those decisions in community. I know they're doing it in prayer. And so they're like, Justin, we're, we're already doing this. And so I really don't know where this passage applies um, to us in this current situation, this current context. But my challenge to us this morning is to be able to look at this passage in James and, and maybe take it a little step deeper and see what James is really getting at. Because I think James uses this picture, this picture of a merchant going from one place to the next, going from here to there to go and make profit, and that's bragging about it. I think he's using this image, this kind of really broad and wide image, to talk about something that we can narrow down and get very specific in our own lives that is very <coughs> applicable to us. And so I think the main idea, the main central idea, I'm going to give you the main idea of the passage, and if this is all you get from the service, like, you can just, like, take this, go home, meditate on it, and it's good. And then the rest of the sermon is going to be kind of extrapolating this main idea. And so the main idea that James is trying to get at is that we need to keep Jesus Christ in the center of our lives, and that we need to allow space in our plans in our lives for his spirit to move, enabling us to do the good works that he prepared in advance for us to go and do. It's about living a lifestyle of flexibility in mind that allows us to do the right thing when the, that right thing comes up. That's the main idea of this passage in James. It's, he's saying, make sure you have 
Christ the center and make sure you allow your life to have flexibility in places where when God pokes, where God prods, where you feel like I need to go and do that right thing, you have the space and the time and the capacity to go and do that right thing. And so that's, that's the main idea, and that's what we're going to focus on the rest of this morning. And the kind of way that I've structured this sermon is around three words. And so you can kind of go to your sermon title in your bulletin and retitle this. Um, I, think, I think the current title is like Arrogance in Planning. Is that, is that what it says? Okay, Arrogance Against Self-Confidence. So you can, you can scratch that off. I mean, it's, it's kind of a little bit about that this morning. But you can scratch that off, and instead, um, you can write the words <laughs> rhythm, jazz, and flat tires. And so the rest of this morning, we're going to talk about rhythm, jazz, and flat tires. Um, and you might be thinking, man, Justin, where are you going with this? And it's, it's going to all connect um, at the end. At the end, you're going to be like, man, I, I know what Justin's talking about. He's talking about rhythm. I know he's talking about, he's talking about jazz, and I know he's talking about, he's talking about flat tires. Um, and the first thing that I want to talk about is rhythm. Each and every one of us lives a lifestyle of rhythm. And it's not just the, the tap in the foot and, and the groove in the head when your favorite song comes on. That's not the type of rhythm that I'm talking about. But, I mean, that's, that's a nice rhythm to get into. Maybe you got into that rhythm this morning in worship. But the rhythm that I'm talking about is the way that we order our lives, the lifestyle choices that we make day in and day out. And so every one of us has a routine that we begin the day with. And most of us, that routine begins with a shrill alarm (laughs) reminding us that we did not get enough sleep the night before. And so it says, wake up, wake up, wake up. And you're like, okay, I guess I'm going to wake up. And so you you wake up, you take that deep breath. I'm going to face today. (laughs) You get up, you take your shower, you make your breakfast, you wake the kids up, you make them breakfast, you pack lunches, um, you Remember to put your coffee on because you can't make it through the day without your uh, morning cup of joe. You get in the car, you take the kids to school, you get to work. Your work has a rhythm that you often participate in. These meetings happen on these days. These meetings happen at these times. You do that rhythm. You then go, you pick up your kids from school, you come home, you throw some laundry in, you do some dinner, and then you put the kids down. And then you put on your favorite Netflix, you set the alarm tomorrow that's going to remind you that you didn't sleep enough again, and you do it all over again. And these are our rhythms. It happens day in and day out, Um, oftentimes Monday through Friday. And there's bigger rhythms. There's bigger rhythms in our lives. Like we have weekly rhythms like community group, and we have weekly rhythms such as coming to church, and we have annual rhythms such as birthdays and holidays, things that we look forward to, the changings of the season. We are by nature people of rhythm. And rhythm is a good thing. Rhythm is a very good thing. James here is not against bashing rhythm, but he's, he's asking us what type of rhythm do we have? What type of rhythm are we allowing ourselves to have in our life? Because our rhythms in our life are very, very important to us. Just think about what happens in your life when something in that rhythm doesn't go the way that you planned. Say that you sleep through that alarm and that hour that you had prepared to make breakfast and get the kids around is now gone because you've slept through it. You wake up, you're stressed, you're frustrated, you're angry. The day that was hopefully going to be an okay day has now started as a terrible day and something has to give. You're either going to show up to work late, you're going to not be able to 
take the shower that you want. You're not going to be able to make the food that you wanted. The morning is going to be compensated and you're, and you're frustrated in the rhythm. Also, think about what happens if maybe you're at work and the rhythm is always for you to pick up your kids after work, but something happens at work that's going to make you stay late. Now that is going to frustrate your rhythm because now you weren't expecting on someone else having to pick up the kids. Now you have to call your spouse or a friend or other family member and disrupt their rhythm and their day because they weren't expecting on picking up your kids either. And so now you're frustrated, you're mad at work because they've kept you from the rhythm that you anticipated on. And now you know that you've got to, like, break the bad news to somebody else that, like, you're about to disrupt their rhythm as well. And so we're just like, man, well, I don't want to inconvenience us. And we, we have this domino effect on how so quickly our day can change just because something in our rhythm became not what we anticipated. I mean, anyone driving to the store, grocery store, or anyone driving somewhere late, and you get just a little bit more snappy. Get a little bit more snappy at the driver in front of you. Get a little bit more snappy at your kids in the back. Whenever our rhythm is disrupted, we become this person that we would never be had our rhythm maintained the same. Like, we're almost embarrassed of the person that we are when our rhythms become derailed. And the reason why our rhythms are so important to us is because we shape our day thinking that if I do these things during the day, I'm going to be able to hit the pillow at night feeling a sense of fulfillment. <laughs> Even if you do things during the day that you don't want to do. For example, college students do homework all the time that they don't want to do, but they do it anyways because they know that the, the fulfillment of the grade, the fulfillment of the degree, and the job that they'll hopefully be able to land and the house that they'll be able to buy with that job will be enough for them to do their homework today. And so many times we do life with this delayed sense of fulfillment, that if I do these things today, if I set my life up with these to-do lists, then eventually I'm going to find some type of fulfillment in all of my doing. What ends up happening is that we end up finishing the day not as fulfilled as we hoped, not as fulfilled as we desired. And so what we do is we say, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to now make plans that go inside my rhythms. I, my rhythm has a couple gaps in it from day to day. And so I'm going to make some plans. I'm going to make some appointments. I'm going, to, I'm going to do more stuff in hopes that I will find more fulfillment in my doing and in my stuff. And so we keep going, and, and our days and our lives get more and more busy. <coughs> and we end up finishing the day each day more tired than the day before and just a little less unfulfilled as the day before as this list of things that went left undone in our day begins to mount in our head and begin to feel exhausted. But guess what? That busyness, that busyness that we plan into our lives, that is the thing that we boast in. That is the thing that we boast in the most. You talk to anybody, it's like, oh, how was last week? Oh, it was so busy. It was so busy. You wouldn't believe how busy I was this week. You, you can't believe the number of things that I had to do this week. You can't believe how many things that went left undone this last week because I was so busy. Well, what does this week look like? Oh man, it's looking like a busy week. It's looking like I've got a ton of stuff that I need to accomplish this week that I need to get done. And so I don't know. I don't know if I can hang out with you because I'm really busy. I don't know if I can put this friendship, this relationship in place because I'm so busy. And the real reality is that our busyness is our boasting. So just as the merchant goes from this place to this place and says, I'm going to go and make a profit there, and he does so 
boastingly, we do so with our busyness. We, we boast in how busy we are. And the reality is, is that we also have a second rhythm in our life. We have a rhythm with our time, and we also have a rhythm with our finances. You see, the way that you can judge a man and the things that are most important to a man is the way that they spend their time and the way that they spend their money. And so we have monthly, weekly rhythms. We set a budget of our financial goals for the month. And if God willing, we meet the budget, it's a good month. But I think more times than often, there are a lot of times where the budget is not met. We shortchange ourselves. We have to dip into savings. Um, We're not as financially secure as we want to be. And so not only do we fill up our time and our space with events and busyness that we hope that will fulfill us, but we also spend our money on things that we hope that will bring us fulfillment as well. And is this not what the merchant does? The merchant goes and he says, I'm going to be busy over here and I'm going to make money over here and hopefully in my busyness and in my moneyness, I will find some type of fulfillment. And that's what we do all the time is that we get busy and we get spending our money and we boast. We boast in our little financial means. We boast that how little we can have to get by on. Be like, man, it was a rough month, but we squeaked it out. We squeaked it out. We squeaked it out another month. We had to eat beans and rice for the last two weeks, you know, so go ahead and give me pity because we had beans and rice. See, we, like, our boasting is this, like, mini pity party that we have for ourselves. Like, have pity on me because I'm so busy. Have pity on me because I have so little financial resource. And the thing is that our lives become full, fuller and fuller, and And all we're seeking is somehow, maybe someday, we will be able to accomplish enough stuff and buy enough stuff and experience enough things that we will find fulfillment. And James says that that is foolishness. That that is foolishness. That our life is nothing but a mist. That it's nothing but a mist. And I really really enjoy it when my rhythm gets derailed. Kind of like it did this week. Um, when I got sick, like, I was just down for the count. Um, I just, it hit me Wednesday, and I had to leave work, and I had to go home and go to bed, and then Tuesday, it just felt like a truck hit me, um, and so I was not, I was not allowed, you know, I was not about to be able to do anything productive that day, and in that, in those days of where your rhythm doesn't get to go, where you don't get to do, 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 you, you begin to realize, um, the joy that there is in being able to have forced rest and the joy that there is that your fulfillment doesn't have to come from accomplishing a bunch of stuff um, and the joy that there is in just laying there incapacitated. Um, I know it's really hard to get our minds around because I don't think any of us finds joy in laying in bed sick. I know for many of us it's like the last place on earth that we want to be, but I always... I try to be aware whenever I get sick, especially sick to the point of not being able to accomplish anything, to, to allow that to be a humbling experience, to allow God to remind me that I am just a mist, that I'm here for a moment and that I'm gone tomorrow and that my fulfillment cannot come in my doing, and that my fulfillment has to come in something far greater than my doing. And so what happens is, is in our rhythm when we don't end up taking a break, when our rhythms get full 
and our finances get stretched is that we end up giving 60% everywhere we go. And maybe you felt this. You give 60% to your relationship here. You give 60% to that phone call over there. You give 60% to your kids over here. And you end up just cheating everyone. And someday, they're all going to realize it. And you're going to pay dearly for the ways that your busyness and the ways that you have spent your time has ultimately left you with nothing. And trying to have everything, you end up with absolutely nothing. And what happens is that when we have a schedule that is so full and when we have finances that are so tight, it prevents us from experiencing jazz. It prevents us from experiencing jazz. If anyone knows anything about jazz, it's that jazz is about improvisation while maintaining some semblance of a rhythm. That's what jazz is, is that there's a rhythm, but there's also an incredible improvisation where it can go this way and it can go that way, and there's a flexibility to it and there's a flow to it. But right now, I think many of our lives are so busy and so jammed full that it is just boom, 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 and, and we're so financially strapped that it's boom, boom, that we don't, have any, we don't have any time and we don't have any energy and we don't have any financial resources to experience jazz. To experience the joy that jazz brings, the ability to, to improvise and to move here and to move there and to be able to spend an evening here with a group of friends just because it's free and to be able to spend um, some money over here on a family that's in need because we have the financial resources available. But when we live so stretched, when we boast and brag about I'm going to go there and there and spend my money in these ways and be fulfilled in these ways, we miss out on this improvisation of jazz. We miss out on the opportunity to love our neighbor, to love our brother, and to even see our neighbor and our brother in need, which brings me to flat tires, which brings me to flat tires. There's so many times driving down the road, driving down the interstate, I see people pulled over on the side of the road with flat tire. And it's something that I know that I can help with. I'm mechanically inclined. I know where their jack's at. I know how to change a flat tire for them. I know that I could bless them. But guess what? As I look at them and I think, oh man, it'd be really great to be able to help them with their flat tire. I'm also thinking, I am so busy. I don't have the time to stop and help them with their flat tire. My life has become so full that I do not allow the jazz of life to come in. I do not allow the spontaneous, the, to be able to maintain a rhythm, but to be able to be <laughs> to be able to improvise and pull over and step into their inconvenience with them just for a moment to help them out because I'm so busy, because I'm so busy. And, and my busyness is about fulfilling me, that it prevents me from seeing the flat tires around me. Or maybe I see the flat tire, but I ignore it. And that's what James is talking about when he says, when you know the right thing to do and you fail to do it, you have sinned. And every time I drive by somebody with a flat tire and I'm concerned about my busyness and my fulfillment and my joy and my commitments that I don't allow the jazz of life to step in, I believe that I have sinned. And the reality is that there are flat tires around us everywhere. There are flat tires around us everywhere. There's flat tires in the supermarket. There's flat tires in the families next door. There's flat tires in your neighbors. There's flat tires... Um, in your community. There's flat tires in this church. And the thing about flat tires is that the, they're on the side of the road and they've got their hazards on. Like they're screaming, help me. 
and we just look at them and drive right by. Just look at them and drive right by. And there's a big sign. If you were like, God, give me a sign to help somebody, like, they're right there. And I think the, the flat tires in our communities, in our lives, in the places around us, I think there's some hazards flashing, saying, help me. It's just, the question is, is are we aware of flat tires? And then the second is, is do we have the jazz? Have we been able to set the rhythms of our life to be able to jazz into those situations? Because that person that's on the side of the road with the flat tire, they're incredibly inconvenienced. I guarantee you that was not a part of their plan or their rhythm for their day. That, was, that just wasn't there. And I think there's something incredibly holy and incredibly spiritual and incredibly profound when we pull over and help them and we step into their inconvenience and we allow our lives to be inconvenienced with the inconvenience of others around us. And I think that's what James is getting at. I think that's what James is getting at is will you step into the jazz of being able to be inconvenienced? Will you step into the place where you'll be able to be, <laughs> where you will have to make a sacrifice to love your neighbor? Have you set the rhythms of your life to be able to have that type of flexibility? And just as a confession, I know that I haven't. I know that I haven't. But James has challenged me in a profound way to say, rethink the way that you think about rhythms in your life. And instead of thinking about rhythms as a thing that you can set for you to fulfill you, think about what, how can you set your day in a rhythmic pace that allows for jazz, that allows for some improvisation, that allows for you to step into the inconvenience and the suffering of your fellow neighbor and your fellow brother around you. Because that's what James is talking about. And a week ago when we were talking about judgment, he's talking about loving your neighbor. And this idea of <laughs> rhythm, jazz, and flat tires brings me to the story that Jesus told. Brings me to the story that Jesus told, and it's in the, in the book of Luke. <clears throat> and this story that he tells in the book of Luke is uh, very familiar to us. It's the Good Samaritan. Um, it's in chapter, <clears throat> chapter 10, verse 25. If you want to look there. Um, and this is what it says. I'm just going to read the Good Samaritan to us says, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And the man answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. If you do this, you will live. But he, but he desiring to justify himself, asked Jesus, But who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him, and they departed, leaving him half dead on the side of the road. Now by chance there was a priest going down the road, and when he saw, he passed on the other side. So likewise the Levi, when he came to the place, he saw him, and he passed on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he bound, him up, bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'll repay you when I get back. <coughs> Sorry. So which one of these do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man that fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed mercy. 
And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. And this is what James is talking about. You see the, the priest, he had a rhythm of his life. He had responsibilities. He had appointments to keep. He was doing holy things. And sometimes our lives can be filled with holy things, good things, going to church, going to community group, reading our Bibles. I'd say in many of our daily rhythms, our busyness, what's often interesting is that in our busyness, in our, in our rhythm of busyness, both it, with time and with finances, when we get so busy and we get so financially strapped, guess what gets cut first? The spiritual things. We cut Bible reading, we cut prayer, we cut financial giving to the church. Those are the first things to go when we get so busy and we allow our rhythm to become so full and based on our own fulfillment. And so we have this religious leader, we have this priest, and he has this rhythm and he has these appointments and he's too busy to be inconvenienced by the man dying on the side of the road. And so he walks by. We have a Levite who is in the same family as the priest. He's a holy man. The Levites were set apart in Israel. And he too has a rhythm of life that says, I'm doing greater, holier things. I'm, I'm busy. I'm late to an appointment. I can't be bothered with the amount of time and financial resources that this man on the side of the road is going to take. And so I'm going to walk by. And so both of these men had a rhythm, but they did not have jazz. They did not have a rhythm that allowed for jazz to come into life. But then comes the Samaritan. And the Samaritan, seeing the man, knowing that he has appointments, he has obligations, allows jazz to enter into his rhythm, allows for improvisation, and he allows to give himself sacrificially of his time because he stayed with him till the next day. And he also gives sacrificially of his finances and he's able to give sacrificially of his finances because he's prepared his finances well. He's prepared his finances well so much that he could say to the innkeeper, whatever more you spend on this man, let me know and I'll make it up to you. This is the type of jazz that we're looking for. And the good news is, the good news is that Jesus Christ is the true and better Samaritan. Jesus Christ is the jazz that brings salvation because you and I, we're the ones lying on the side of the road dead, breathing our last breath, hoping that somebody is going to stop and step out of their regular rhythm and step into the rhythm of jazz and bring life and bring joy and bring salvation to our needs. And that's exactly what God does to Jesus Christ. That's exactly what God does in Jesus Christ is that he steps out of the heavenly rhythm into the world and he produces jazz that's beautiful and elegant and flowing and is able to bring life. And he's able to save us, not just from a mere flat tire on the road, but from death itself. And not only does he come and give life, but he takes our place. And instead of being beaten by robbers, he's hung between two on a cross. And he faces the ultimate punishment, the death and the punishment for our sins. And he defeats it. And he defeats it. So he enables us then to go and do likewise, to go and live a rhythm that allows for jazz. And so as we go this week, as we think about our rhythms, our rhythms are a good thing. James says we, we have to live by rhythms. 
He's just asking, what is the rhythm that you're boasting in? Is it a rhythm that fulfills the self that we already know, that we've just explored this morning, that leaves us unfulfilled and tired? Or are we boasting in a rhythm that is full of improvisation, that allows when the Spirit of God shows up, whenever we see a need, that we're then able to go and meet that need and love our brother and our sister and our neighbor and our friend and share the love of, God, of the gospel that he shared with us while we were on the side of the road? Are we willing to go and do that? Are we willing to reevaluate our rhythms? Because I challenge that we reevaluate our rhythms every day. There's things that we add into our life. That's why bad habits stick. You know, we allow a bad habit, but it's also why good habits stay. That's how we can kill bad habits is by reevaluating our rhythm and say, man, this, this habit that's in my daily rhythm, it needs to go. And so we find ways to get rid of it. This habit that we want to introduce, we find ways to bring it into our daily rhythm. And so the question is, is are we going to leave here and allow our rhythm to be changed from one that is just full of busyness and full of boasting and that leaves our pocketbooks so far stretched that we can't do anything to serve and love one another? Are we willing to go back and reevaluate and allow the spirit of Jazz himself to come in and change our lives and change our lives and change our lives forever? And so that's my encouragement to you this morning. And I think that's the encouragement of James in this passage. This passage that looked irrelevant on the surface, I think is incredibly relevant to the daily rhythms and walks of life. So as you go this week, I just want to encourage you to think about rhythms. I want you to think about jazz. And I want you to be aware of flat tires and being able to step into those. Let's pray. I do, Lord God, I just thank you for this day. And I thank you for this passage in James. I thank you for this opportunity for us to be challenged in the ways that we live our day-to-day lives and to be able to inspect them and to ask your spirit to come and transform us, to give us a rhythm of jazz when we really like things in our place. God, we know that we do not like it when our rhythms are changed, when our days are funked up. But God, I just pray that you would be able to bring the funk into our lives that would make us live life and bring life to our neighbors and our brothers and we ultimately bring glory and honor to you in all that we do. God, we thank you for James and this correction. And I just pray that we'd be able to go and walk forth in it. That we would allow ourselves to step into the inconvenience of the lives that are around us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we thank you for stepping into our inconvenience We thank you for saving us and for taking the punishment that we deserve. So God, go with us this evening and this afternoon. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to take communion. We're going to participate in the death and resurrection of Christ. So in the next couple songs, we're going to be able to respond by communion, uh, taking the cracker, breaking it, dipping it in the juice, um, remembering the sacrifice that Jesus gave while we were dead on the side of the road, and then we're also going to be able to give financially, um, give and worship him in our tithes, and so if you came prepared to give, um, that is our time to give as the baskets pass, and then we're just going to worship in song, and just praise him for when we needed jazz the most, he came in and saved us, so let's, let's worship our Lord.
I'm going to put it on the screen there. Thanks. From Ephesians 2, through, 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should go and walk in them. So may you go in faith this week and step into jazz. May you be blessed. Ha, ha, ha.